Hey, Gemsters, and welcome back to another segment here on the podcast. For those of you that are new, I want to thank you so much for tuning in with Joe Myers and myself. For those of you that are consistent listeners, welcome back. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who Joe is, and then we're going to dive into a powerful conversation. So get ready to learn and go on a journey with us. Joe is an entrepreneur and business owner and someone who has worked in corporate America. He has decades of real-world education that he shares with households and or businesses owners to improve their financial future. His goal is to help people understand the financial oppression in America today and what we can do to combat that at the household and business level. His late mentor would always say most people today spend more time planning a vacation than their financial future. Boy, if that's not the truth, I don't know what is. And today, I want to just sit here and have a great conversation with Joe around like financial aspects from a holistic level. But before we do, I want to welcome the man behind it all, Joe Myers. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me on your show. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on to share and hold space. Before we dive into your subject matter expertise, I definitely need you to connect with the audience in a fun and personal manner. We could either do so by a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? Let's try an icebreaker. Okie dokie, y'all. We're breaking the ice with Joe. I want you to share something that you have done in your life that others from the outside looking in may think it's crazy, but it actually built your character and helped you develop personally and professionally. Hmm. I think this is actually one of them because I'm not one to be in front of a camera, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I I just try to put myself out there, but uh, this is, this is out of my comfort zone for sure. Okay, so I love that you said that because I was just like you in 2020 when I started this podcast. It was just strictly me talking into the mic, no interviews. I was just solo by myself. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go on camera because I don't want to get all dolled up. I'm not a makeup person or, you know, the optics or whatnot. But I said, you know what? Your tribe who's going to gravitate for you is already going to be there. So all you have to do is start and worry about the rest later. And and that's a pretty good uh, way to look at it. And, and that's what I've tried to look at as well, that, you know, I'm not here to present the information and try to give people you know, some sound financial advice um, and, and hopefully you know uh, it resonates with people. Yes, and thank you so much for sharing that. Now let's zoom into the segment, which is financial, because I feel like personally, this is an area that we could all do better in, me included, y'all, because number one, you can't have wealth without help. Number two, What's the point of having wealth if you don't know how to steward your finances in a way where your money is working for you and you could actually see the fruits of your labor? So that's what I like to say. And Joe, I know you spent some time talking about the difference between money and currency. So I want to dive into what you mean behind that. Well, I, I think the easiest way to explain that is from 1834 to 1933. 
one ounce, one troy ounce of gold was equal to $20.67. So you could take a $20 bill or a one ounce gold coin into a fine clothing store in 1910 and buy a, a very fine suit. Fast forward to today, you can't do that with a $20 bill, but that one ounce gold coin, spots running anywhere is between in the last year or two, between $1,500 and $2,000 an ounce. So say you got $1,500 for your uh, gold coin today, subtract the $20, you've lost $1,480 of purchasing power since 1910. So the real money is the gold and silver uh, precious metals. Our currency is the paper dollars. Um, mm -hmm. Now, whenever it was backed by gold or, you know, uh, or silver certificates, it was worth something. Uh, today, our, our money is really only worth what we, the people, think it's worth and what we're giving value to it um, because it's not backed by anything. In 1971, uh, Nixon completely removed us from the gold standard. So uh, our money doesn't have the value that it does. And that's why there's a lot of concern about the world reserve currency that the U.S. dollar is right now, but whether it will maintain that. Mm, okay. And then from, that's actually really good because I had no idea behind um, behind that. So now taking about, thinking about the currency today and thinking about it no longer being backed by the gold, do you, do you have any thoughts on why this was done? Well, in 1933, um, FDR removed us from, or he actually changed the gold standard from, basically he made it illegal for Americans to own gold, which is unconstitutional because that's, that's true money. Wow. Um, but he made it illegal for Americans to own gold. They were to turn their gold in and in exchange for paper dollars. Well, whenever he did that, uh, right after he changed the, you know, had everybody turn their, their real money in, um, he changed the gold standard from $20.67 a troy ounce to $35 a troy ounce, meaning that they their, their purchasing power was instantly devalued uh, because of just that one simple act. Um, now, it's kind of strange, too, because Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971, and I think it was 74 whenever Ford made it, made it legal for Americans to own gold again. Well, why would you do that? Um, you know, why... Why not? You know, it shouldn't have been illegal anyways. In fact, that's a that really was an unlawful or an, un, an illegal order, which was not really lawful, but it was really never challenged, unfortunately. Mm. And it's definitely good to know the history behind it, because once you know the history behind it, you have some more appreciation. And for those of you that may be worldwide listeners, FDR is Franklin D. Roosevelt. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um yeah. And I'm so glad that you shared that because then we who are listening and consuming this education can definitely go and do our due diligence to learn more about this area because that's part of one of the core pillars is to educate ourselves. And when we educate ourselves, we can do better in the area of financial literacy, financial stewardship, and just overall with our finances and how we manage that. Um, then also to the difference between money and currency, do you think there's any other differences that you want to share with the public today that they should be mindful of? Well, with that, we've lost actually 90% of the purchasing power of our dollar since 1913, since the Federal Reserve Act was created. That was the real entity that um, basically, uh, you know, whenever the Congress passed the Federal Reserve Act, uh, that was actually fraud. Uh, so they've, the Congress and the Federal Reserve are, have perpetrated fraud against the American public, because if you look at uh, Article 1, Section 8, um, uh, I think it's clauses 5 and 6, um, that 
the we told Congress, you've got to establish weights and measures for our money. So basically create value. And then the other clause was you're supposed to uh, prosecute counterfeiters. Well, whenever they passed the Federal Reserve Act, that actually allowed them to illegally counterfeit money because uh, bank loans today, the majority of the bank loans are complete fraud. So mm -hmm. that's what causes the inflation. Nothing's really getting any more expensive. It's just taking more of the diluted dollars to buy the same thing today that it did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that drives me to inflation. But before we dive into inflation, I want to ask a question here that the audience may be wondering. So is your background in finance or um, economics or did you go to school for this or was it something that is just a passion of yours that you learned? Well, uh, I'm 61 now. Whenever I was around 21, 22, I ran into a, into a gentleman in a store. Uh, I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, somehow the Federal Reserve came up. I, I can't even tell you how it came up, but the Federal Reserve came up and he said, well, do you know it's not a government agency? At that time, I didn't know that. Well, this is how far long, uh, long ago it was. He handed me a cassette tape. And he said, go home and listen to this. Well, the gentleman that was giving the speech on the cassette tape was uh, G. Edward Griffin, who since had written a book now, it's called The Creature from Jack Wild. He explains the whole uh, mess with the Federal Reserve, uh, how it's affected, uh, you know, not just the United States, but you know, other countries, um, and what we're doing, you know, what what has happened, uh, you know, to our monetary system and how it's you know devalued our dollar, you know, kind of what I've been explaining. But he goes into great detail of actually how it's affected world wars. Uh, it, it's it's really a very fascinating, um, you know, book. And back whenever I listened to that cassette tape, that was long before he wrote the book. So ever since I listened to that uh, recording. I've researched everything you know, about the Federal Reserve and about G. Edward Griffin because he was a very knowledgeable person. And so it's been a self-study. Never you know, went to school for it. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I think today, the we, we don't have so much education systems today. We have a lot of indoctrination mm -hmm. systems because people aren't taught true education. They're mm -hmm. taught what is want to be taught. You know, That's why most people don't know about the Federal Reserve. It's not taught in schools. Mm -hmm. And I think we could do a better job if we were to bring this into the education system, just to educate some of the younger folks on what's out there. That way they can learn for themselves, whether they um, get the information that's presented to them, they build upon it, they research it, and et cetera. Because also financial literacy is not really taught um, in schools right. as well. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that, because I definitely wanted to make sure I asked that question in case any of the audience members were con uh, concerned there. And sure. then let's talk about inflation because we keep hearing the word inflation, inflation, and people feel like we're in, in inflation right now because things are going up. And then we also have shrinkflation. So you're paying more for an item that used to have a higher quantity, but now that item is higher with a lower quantity. So can you talk about what inflation really is? Well, it kind of goes back to what I've explained explained about the gold standard and and the the difference between the dollar today and the dollar back in eighteen ten. Um, what's happening is, whenever like in the banking system today, every time a loan is created, so um, I guess the easiest way to explain it: say a person went in and borrowed a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and for whatever, and they go and give that to the person that they were going to buy whatever they were going to buy. Um, 
Now that person puts that in the bank. Well, now the bank can then now fractional reserve lend that $100,000 that that person put in the bank. So then they've taken by something else with it and whatever they give to somebody else, they can now fractional reserve that. It's just a perpetual, uh, you know, uh, Ponzi scheme, really. And it's actually worse than a Ponzi scheme because really a lot of the dollars aren't even there. Um, mm. So that's that's the real essence of what's really going on and why uh, it's such a problem. Because it, now the gold standard, while we are not on a gold standard, uh, you know, technically in the United States, every, you know, every world currency is dictated by gold. That's why gold rises and, and, and goes up and down, because that's what the true measure of inflation is. You know, uh, I'm not sure when the last time it was below a thousand dollars. I can't remember what year that was, but now it's up. You know, been almost up to two thousand this year. So that fluctuation shows you what people value in the currency. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to buy a gold, your know, gold coin today, one ounce gold coin, and you went to a coin shop, you'd be paying anywhere from fifteen to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars an ounce. So, um, and you know, it that that's what is. The measurement as far as you know what really uh the inflation really is so then just breaking it down in uh terminology would you say inflation just easier is when our currency is not worth as much as it used to be but the price of everything around us um in today's environment is rising causing it to have these bust and boom cycles correct uh, but the, the caveat to that is the prices are going up because the dollar is being devalued because every time it's kind of like if, if uh, you and I were printing money in our in our basements and our you know <laughs> room uh, and, and then putting that in the economy well that's diluting the dollars that are already there mm -hmm. so now those dollars are inflating the the price of things uh, and that's what that's what the real price of things going up because if you look at uh, statistically, at the price of things, if you if you factor in the gold standard to it, nothing's really got has gotten any more expensive. Uh, an example I use is, uh, for example, in nineteen in nineteen seventy, you could buy one candy, you could buy ten candy bars for a one dollar bill. Fast forward today, you can't do that with one dollar bill. Now, if you look at the candy bar manufacturers since nineteen seventy, they've automated their plants, they've created more candy bars with less people, so the candy bar should really be cheap, but it's not. And that's why is because our dollars keep getting diluted. The more and, and the boom and bust cycles are whenever the banks raise and lower interest rates, whenever they raise the interest rates, they're trying to contract the money supply. So they have less money in the economy. Whenever they're lowering them, they're they're wanting more money and they're they're putting more money in the in the economy because people are going to the banks to loan more money at a cheap interest rate. So mm -hmm. that that back and forth is what causes the boom and bust cycles. And we're definitely going to dive into that because we're actually seeing that right now with the auto industry, with the mortgage industry and et cetera. But then I want to also share something for those millennials or those people in my age group. And by the way, Joe, before I forget, you look great for 61. So <laughs> I am in my early 30s. And I remember in the 90s, whenever you could go to the gas station, like stop and go or wherever and get those little chiclet gums for 10 cents. You right. can't even find anything for 10 cents now, y'all. So right. if that does not give you a visual representation of what we're talking about in today's conversation, you definitely need to go out there and do some research so you could begin to connect the dots just so you have enough knowledge behind what's going on in today's environment. Because 
When you have knowledge, you have a wisdom. And that wisdom is going to take you a lot longer in life than if you were just subjected to television, which it tells you a vision of what they want you to know and hear. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, on uh, my website, Tavoli.com, uh, there's a page called the Call to Action page. If you scroll to the bottom of that and uh, people enter their uh, name and email address, they can watch a webinar that was by my late mentor, Nelson Nash. He explains the process that we teach, but he really gives a good explanation of what inflation really is. So people can really get the idea. You know, he goes into explain of what the cost of things were years ago, and, and it gives a real detailed explanation. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that, because I think that's a really great resource for them to connect the dots. And we'll recap that again when we get later on in the segment. But now I want to talk about, let's go into the cause, what caused the boom and the bust cycles in our economy, because this is the big thing right now. People don't want to buy houses because the interest rates are in the sevens, whereas before, I think in around 2020, right around the time that COVID um, jumped off, the interest rates went down to the twos. And then, then during that time, we saw the market crash and it went to negative 37. Now, fast forwarding, interest rates are in the sevens. Cars are not really on the lots. The car prices are a lot higher. People do want to consume and get vehicles, but the price that these monthly payments are, or if they were to buy it outright or cash, it's just so high. It just makes sense for them to just keep driving their current vehicle. And if y'all hear that, that is actually thunder in the background. But anywho, um, what do you think about that, Joe? Uh, I, I think you nailed it. And I think that goes back to the, the banks raising and lowering interest, raising and lowering interest rates. Uh, right now, they're raising the interest rates. So they're trying to contract the money supply, which is now causing you know, a multitude of things. Uh, I just listened to Robert Kiyosaki um, about a month ago, and he was saying that 2024 and 2025, he believes are going to be like depression era years, you know, because things are going to really get tough uh, because, you know, the, the stock market's really going to tank. Uh, you know, last year we had a huge, um, you know, huge downturn in the stock market. And this year you're having your ups and downs. But I think, you know, the next couple of years, you're going to see, I think you're, you're going to see it like, back in the depression, you know, in a in the Great Depression that we had in this country. Um, we might not see the effects of, you know, like the bread lines and stuff that they saw back then, but I think we're going to see some hard times come. And uh, because, and it's going to affect a lot of things that you're talking about. Um, there's a, on that call to action page, there's also a little TikTok video that I've got on there that a guy did a great job showing what the price of uh, you know, things were in the early 1900s, what they are now, you know, what wages were, what, you know, what they are now. And and just gives a real, it it's, gives you a really good um, uh, snapshot of where we're at right now. Yeah, and I definitely want to give the audience homework there just so they can vibe with you and I, Joe, because this is so real. Because if you're not aware and you feel like, okay, what what you two are talking about just has not affected me, Look at the hospitality industry. Look at the prices back then to what they are now. Look at the food, the amount that you're paying for your food in the grocery store. Ask yourself, the amount that you pay for a loaf of bread, is it the same what you're paying now? Milk, eggs, some of your staple supplies. Or for those of you that are vegetarians or pescatarians, look at the price of veggies and fish. Then right. also think about automobile. We just talked about that. Home industry, the mortgage industry, the lending. 
whether you're renting, you're purchasing, or you're leasing, you can see how the prices of that has changed. Even school, for those of you who have little ones, I have a little one, the price of tuition for school has, in, has increased, whether it's primary, secondary, or whatever. My daughter goes to a Montessori school. The price of that is a lot higher than what it was a few years ago because they say due to inflation, they have to increase their prices to pay for supplies, pay their staff, and et cetera. So that we that y'all should be mindful of. And it's across the board with everything. So I definitely challenge you to go learn more in this area. Exactly. I that you, you said it very well because I think those are a lot of key points that people, you know, I, I'd say if, if people were honest today, they're not vacationing as much as they you know, this year I don't think was as big a vacation time as what the years prior were. Uh, you know, like you said, the groceries, you know, people aren't getting as much at the grocery store as they were, you know, last year and the year before last. I mean, uh yeah, it, it's just really having a huge effect. You know, there's a there's a snowball effect, and I think it's going to snowball and get and, and the snowball is going to get bigger. I think in the next year or two. So then, with all the snowball effect, and you know, sometimes you, we hear the snowball effect with paying down debt, and you take the biggest amount of your debt and you pay that down, and then you go on to the next one to decrease the amount of debt you have due to interest rates. Well, can that snowball effect be reversed in the saving aspect? Because if you're projecting that we're going to hit the Great Depression, then we need to be mindful of what we're saving and what's our emergency and safety net too. Correct. Yes, uh, I think that, um, uh, and I've just got to you know put it out there that I'm not giving tax or legal advice, but we do have a lot of information that we share with people. You know, one of the things that people are doing today is having their money in the 401ks and tax qualified plans. Problem with that is you are going to wind up. Uh, whenever Uncle Sam is going to tell you how much tax he's going to take whenever you go to take that money out at 59 and a half. Um, there's three good videos. Again, this is back under my call to action page. There are three good videos that were done right after. It's a three-part series, and it was done right after the 2008 crash. There's experts on there saying that you know people that invest in a 401k today will be lucky if they break even whenever they go to take their money out. Um, the, the hidden fees that are in them. Uh, you know, so there's there's different ways that people can go about, you know, recapturing, um, you know, and and saving for themselves. There's there's alternatives to the to the financial vehicles that are out there, and that's one of the alternatives that I teach in my book. And I'm glad that you're that you highlight on that. So, audience, make sure you grab a copy of the book to learn this. But I would also say, since Joe and I are not financial advisors per se. Definitely do your research and whether you're partnering with a financial advisor, a financial coach, or et cetera, whatever information that you're given, always do your due diligence and look up the information to see is that a right vehicle for you, your family, and your lifestyle? And is that going to give you a ROI, return on your investment to yield you the amount that you want in the long run? Because prices are getting higher. And I've heard people say, whether they're in my age group or yours, they're like, yeah, Everything's getting higher except my pay. So, what would you say about that, Joe? Well, uh, it, it's again, it goes back to the the inflation part. But uh, what I what I share with people is um, uh, my mentor. I, since I studied the Federal Reserve for over thirty years, I met my mentor. Uh, I guess it's been a little over fifteen years ago now. He's he's been gone for a few years. Um, 
I, I realized the concept that he, he, he wrote a book called Becoming Your Own Banker. Um, and it, it showed a concept that I'd never heard before, and it's using dividend-paying whole life policies. We don't use the, any of the universals, the IUL, the VUL, uh, or the ULs, because those shift the risk back to policy order. But what the dividend-paying whole life does is it helps, person build, helps people build a legacy, then, and they also can build a cash value. Now they can finance their own cars, their own major purchases, eventually tackle their mortgage. So what people don't realize, and this is something I'll ask people, I said, if you were to add up all the money that you saved and invested up to this point in time in your life and compare it to the money that you've paid for the principal and interest for somebody else's money or paid cash and lost the future growth of that money, which should be more. And they say, well, definitely what I'm giving to somebody else or paying cash. That's what we're trying to do. We try to shift that paradigm shift and show people how using that dividend paying whole life policy and building a system that owes in your lifetime can transform your financial future. Uh, plus, it, it ends up being a financial vehicle, one that the ultra wealthy have been using for decades mm -hmm. uh, that we have not known about that Nelson brought. He brought it into the forefront and brought scale to it for the average person to be able to use it. And I'm glad that you shared that because when you think about the dividend, the dividend paying insurance policy, that, am I saying it correctly? Dividend paying whole life. Dividend paying whole life insurance policy. And then you think about home equity where people are borrowing um, some of the equity from their homes. And then you think about the 401k where they're borrowing from the 401k to buy some of those big purchase items and then paying themselves back at a cheaper interest rate. Out of these things that are out there, the vehicle, would you still recommend the dividend paying whole life insurance policy over the um, home equity or the 401k? Yes, uh, I'll tell you why. During the Great Depression, people that had their money in life insurance still had access to their money and they were still paying dividends. These companies that we use are over 100 years old. They have to be, the criteria we use, they have to be over 100 years old. They paid a dividend every year they've been in existence, even during the Great Depression. And they're mutually owned by policyholders. They're not stock companies, so they're not tied to the stock market. So they're they're run for the benefit of the, uh, the policyholders and not outside you know, shareholders. So that's one thing that, uh, you know, that it does. Now, whenever banks and insurance companies were going out of, you know, people were losing money in the stock market and banks were going out of business, people were losing money in banks during the Great Depression. These people still had their money in dividend paying whole life, never had a loss. They've had, they have guaranteed growth and have, uh, they never lose money. And then, um, Sorry about that. I was on mute. So then, okay, thinking about this, I know there's also annuities, whether it's fixed annuities, variable annuities, and some of those are considered some type of insurances in a sense. Would you um, advocate for that? Yes, there are certain circumstances where I have used annuities. Uh, for example, there was a, um, a couple that uh, they were in their 80s, so it was not feasible for them to do a life insurance. No, they could have done life insurance on you know, their kids and things like that. But uh, it just was a situation where uh, for them, they wanted to use the annuity. Uh, I probably would have still recommended uh, doing a dividend paying whole life, even if it was policies on their kids and grandkids because they would still own and control the policies. Uh, but you know, we try to help people understand what we're trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, the decisions are ultimately theirs. Yes, and our goal is to just educate them with the, um, decisions that they 
can make that may work for them by giving them different options and choices, but it's also up to them ultimately to decide which one works best for their um, situation, right? Absolutely. Yes, we I know we're getting ready to wind down. So I want to jump into the call to action. And we're probably going to have a part two because I'm sure the audience is definitely resonating with this and it's going to want more information. So let's jump into the CTA, which is the call to action. Once they hear all of this nugget and these gems that were shared around finances and financial as a whole, what do you want them to do? And we already know they got to go to that website. So drop that website again. Yes, uh, definitely, uh, definitely go to the website. You know, you, you know, I put a lot of information on there so people can research it at their own time and in their own leisure. So it, it, they don't have to be feel like they're under the gun to learn something at a certain period of time. But then, you know, there's, uh, you know, on that page, on multiple pages, there's a call, there's a, uh, a button that they can press to book a consultation. And then we can go through, we sit down, whether they're a household or business owner, we walk through where they're at and what their goals are, what they want to, you know, aspire to, and, you know, uh, what they want to accomplish, and then, uh, you know, we work out a game plan. I love that, and the website is www.tivaldi.com, and that's T-I-B-A-L-D-I.com, and this will definitely be in the show notes, so there's no excuse for you not to scroll down, tap it, and link in with Joe Myers. And he has a lot of information on that call to action page. So I'll definitely link that one and they can work backwards there. And Joe, I want you to leave them with a quote around finances that has stuck with you, that helps you become better and better each day. I think it's another one of my mentors, my late mentors quotes. He said, you can lead a, lead a person to knowledge, but you can't make them think. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, we 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 want to give you information. We want to try to help everybody, but you know, it, it's just like anything. We all have to be willing to help ourselves too. And there you have it, folks. You just heard Joe Myers, and I am Miss Genesis Amaris, Hemp, the founder and host. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. It's available on forty plus audio platforms, and the video to this can be found on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris 10. And my big ask is for brand sponsors. If that's you and you want to build a partnership and create synergies with me, reach out and you can learn more information on how we can work together. And it is paid sponsorship. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Remember, you are your greatest asset. So don't ever let nobody tell you otherwise.